my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. We talk about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes. We're literally living through a historical moment. I have talked about many times how history books will be written about this period that we're going through right now, this transition. And of course, we talk about this as we look at this, as we try to understand this through the lens of three different disciplines, politics, finance, and technology. You know, as I've talked about many times, I think a lot of people are missing the bigger picture because they're too zoomed in and they're not understanding how all three of these work together. And so they get an incomplete picture. Now we talk about politics, finance, and technology, but we try to talk about them in relation to each other. We don't talk about politics for politics sakes, but where it's making rules and regulations on technology or finance, and those are certainly areas that we want to be paying attention to. And today we are going to be digging into technology specifically. We'll talk about some of the um, implications of how this will affect the markets. We're going to talk about the political ramifications of this. More importantly, though, today I want to talk about how I have been using brand new cutting edge technology for massive efficiency and productivity gains in my own business and how you can do the exact same thing. It's a little bit different than what we've done in the past. And the reason why is because we're doing something uh, completely different. If you're listening on the radio, I appreciate you listening on the radio. And it's with heavy hearts, uh, bittersweet announcement for you, radio listeners today, that today is the last day of the radio show. So if you're listening on the radio, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to find me on the radio anymore, but you'll continue to be able to find me on the podcast. You can just search The Mark Moss Show 
on your favorite podcast player. All right, I'm still there. I'll still be on YouTube. You can still watch me and listen to me on YouTube, both on the Market Disruptors YouTube channel and on my main Mark Moss YouTube channel. So you can watch me, listen to me there. You can still listen to me over on the podcast, uh, the Mark Moss Show. So think of it as a radio on demand, right? You can just listen to it whenever you want. Uh, but the radio show is dying uh, and dead. Well, it's not dying. As a matter of fact, it's not dying at all. It's been growing, um, but I am deciding to kill it. And the reason why, I guess, partly is uh, technology, right? Um, when I first got recruited by iHeartMedia to do the radio show a couple of years ago, it was when Rush Limbaugh, who was the kingpin of radio, uh, still dominated the airwaves. And, you know, they said, hey, Rush Limbaugh's dead. And, you know, there's, there's this void sort of in radio. And maybe you could move into this radio spot. And I was like, people still listen to radio? Like, that's still a thing, <laughs> right? I, uh, I haven't listened to radio in forever. And so, you know, part of it was like, why am I stepping into something that's dying? Now, I hadn't planned to go down to this rabbit hole, but let's just talk about this for a minute. So, you know, I started making YouTube videos about five years ago, and I didn't have like a big grand scheme or big goal of what I was doing creating YouTube videos. My immediate goal, well, I talk about it, I was actually forced into it. My business partner at the time had started doing YouTube videos and he forced me to do them with him. I didn't want to. But we had created a YouTube channel to sell our newsletter. We were writing a cryptocurrency research newsletter. And at the end of 2017, December 2017, um, in the crypto cryptocurrency crackdown, the US government crackdown, uh, they, uh, they moved on the banks and social media. So Facebook and Google banned all advertising for anything related to cryptocurrency. And so what were we to do? And so uh, we created a YouTube channel just to start talking about cryptocurrency. My partner was running that. And then he forced me to get on with him. Um, I, so that, the, the immediate goal was like, let's just make some videos, talk about our newsletter and see if people want to buy it. Um, which by the way, I'm still talking about a newsletter. It's not a cryptocurrency newsletter anymore. It's now a more broad, just general investing newsletter. Of course, we still cover Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, but uh, that, that being said, uh, I never had intended that it would get me to where I'm at today, where I'm speaking on the biggest stages in you know, some of the business finance conferences. Uh, mentors of mine for like 25 years, like Robert Kiyosaki are now my good friend. Um, and iHeart recruited me to come do a radio show. But the thing that kind of got me about it was that, you know, in the old in the old world, in the old economy, there were gatekeepers. And so um, because we didn't have technology, you needed the gatekeeper. You needed somebody to put you on, to help you out, to build you out. So for example, I would need a massive amount of money to build out a factory in order to start a business and make a product, or I would need somebody who had a factory to bring me onto their platform to let me build there. The same was true with media. So in the old days, I needed ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox um, to give me a show. I needed a radio station to put me on their radio station. I needed uh, you know, ESPN to put me on as a sportscaster, right? But in the new economy, we don't need that. In the new economy, there is no gatekeepers because technology has changed that. And so I could literally, I, I did literally start up a YouTube channel and just start talking directly to my core audience. And by bringing value directly to them, I could build up an audience. If I made good content, people would want to watch more of it. If I made bad content, they'd watch less of it. And it took away the gatekeeper. And it also changed the paradigm of how we even think about content, uh, content creators, which content creators weren't even a word at the time. But to think about like today now, it's, 
it's still going, but it's dying. But it just seems weird to me today that like I would need to tune into any network show. There's not to point anybody out, but let's just say like CNN or ESPN for that matter. We use ESPN sports are a little bit more neutral. Uh, but why would I tune into ESPN? And watch their lineup of programming where it's very linear, where it's like, well, okay, well, now we're covering uh, pickleball, and up next is tennis, and then after that, we're going to go to baseball, and then after baseball, we're going to go to IndyCar racing, and it's like this linear format, but like, I don't want to watch my content like that. If I want to watch IndyCars, I just want to watch IndyCars. I don't want to wait three hours for it to come on. I don't want to watch Pickleball first or vice versa. If I want to watch Pickleball, I don't want it to go to IndyCars later. And so the idea behind needing, uh, the, 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 the whole idea behind the network is, is archaic in my opinion um, of having this pre-configured lineup when today everything's on demand. And so anyway, technology changed the way we consume content, broke down sort of the gatekeeper of the network itself. Um, and then of course it's also, uh, Evolve past radio. Um, I put this on my Instagram today. If you're not following me on, on Instagram, check me out at Mark Moss. And I put up uh, just a story talking about today would be my last day recording radio. And I put the song over it that uh, Video Killed the Radio Star, if you guys know that song. Uh, but Video Killed the Radio. So here I was, uh, recruited by iHeart, uh, a, a network, um, to build a show, but I'm already generating millions of views on my own without a network. What do I need iHeart for? But anyway, I like to learn. I like to grow. Let's do it. I've never done radio. I know it's an old paradigm. It's an old, it's an old model, but let's do it. Over the course of the last couple of years, it's done pretty well. I think we started in about 25 markets and it grew. I think we grew up to about 75 markets, which I think it's pretty good. I don't have a lot to compare that to. If, you're, if you've been in radio a long time, maybe you'll know a bit, little bit better than me, but it, it showed that there was demand in the market. There was some product market fit um, and it grew. Now, part of what I think held back some of the growth, I would say, is that because I talk a lot about uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies and investing, um, we went through arguably one of the deepest and longest bear markets, right? Down markets in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Uh, and you throw in all the bad press with, you know, um, FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and Celsius and Terra Luna and all of that. It really sort of gave the entire industry a uh, black eye or, or more importantly, sort of sucked the energy, the air out of that. And so that probably hurt the growth a little bit. Obviously, if I had been doing it two years of, a, of an uptrend market, it probably would have done much better. Uh, here we are in a downtrend market that probably affected a little bit. Um, but um, that being said, it still grew, went from 25 to 75 markets. Uh, but I'm just, the amount of effort and work that it is for the radio show, just to me at this point, after a couple of years of doing it, isn't worth the effort and squeeze anymore. And so we've decided to go ahead and just pull that back. Even though it's growing, we're going to pull it back. And my goal is to focus on more better content. Well, not more better content, higher quality, lesser quantity. But I'm still going to be here. I'll still be on YouTube, Mark Moss. I'll still be on YouTube, Market Disruptors. And I'll still be on the podcast at the Mark Moss Show. Now, I'm going to cover more technology. We're talking about the shift in technology. I'm going to tell you about new technology I'm using that's exploding my productivity and how it fits into this uh, paradigm of this decentralized world. You don't want to miss this. If you want to improve your productivity, and your profits, more work, more leverage, less time spent working. Then you want to hear what I have to say. I'll be back in a minute after a very short break. Don't go away. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. All right, welcome back. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, uh, we always talk about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. We're sort of focusing more on technology today. And I was talking about how I am changing my technology platform from old school radio, and we're going to be going just to podcast and YouTube. So it's more interactive, and I can get directly out to you. Better quality content, uh, less work for everybody involved. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this this shift. So I'll still be with you, just not here on the radio if, if you're listening on the radio. But today I want to talk about AI. I want to talk about artificial intelligence. Um, and I want to talk about it from a couple different standpoints. One, obviously, it's always technology that changes the world. I say this all the time because it changes the way that we work, the way that we communicate, the way that we interact changes the way that we organize. All right, so it's always technology. And if we look back through thousands of years of history, I use these examples all the time, we can see how they're also, not only do they change the world, they change sort of in this pendulum that swings from centralization back to decentralization. So each technology sort of does this. And this AI technology is at the coming out right in this decentralized um, pendulum pivot. So we have decentralized technologies like Bitcoin, decentralized protocols, decentralized communication protocols like Noster. And this is really helping the pendulum swing back from full centralization back to decentralization. And now we also have AI. Now AI, ChatGPT, Google's Gemini, which I've been using the last couple of weeks, which is actually really good um, for some things. Um, are, are Some people might say they're not real AI, they're LLMs or large language models, um, something like that, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're just going to call it AI for now. Um, it has definitely changed the world. Now, is this centralizing or decentralizing? It's both. It's decentralizing because now, as Sam Altman, the founder of OpenAI, um, came out and said that he believes we'll finally see the first billion-dollar 
single person business. Because ChatGPT or large language models or Gemini, whatever you want to say, because AI is now able to make us so much more productive and so much more efficient, it will have a decentralizing force. So in order to make a billion dollars in the old economy, you would have had to build a giant factory, hire lots of people, have mass production, right? So it's very centralized and everybody moves into these cities, into these factories, and you have these large mass manufacturing plants. But today, to the point he's making, is you can have a solopreneur, let's just call it that, a single person business that could do a billion dollars. And so instead of having one business where, you know, thousands of people work at or tens of thousands of people work at, instead of one business, now you can have 10,000 businesses. So that's very decentralizing. Now, that is what uh, the power of this, but at the same time, it's somewhat centralizing because who controls the, the language model, the LLM? The LLM, the AI has to be trained and it has to be fed information for it to absorb to have that information to, to recite back out. And so whoever controls that AI, whoever, can, whoever feeds that and controls it, then can control lots of people. Because if we're all now depending on ChatGPT or Gemini or whichever ones happen to pop up afterwards, then that is a very centralizing force. So you can see that uh, it's a little bit of a complex issue here, but I want to dig into a little bit more specifically today um, some of the ways, let's see, we're going to talk about uh, some of the fallacies that I think a lot of people are understanding this all wrong. And part of the fallacies are keeping them from really taking advantage of what's happening here. I wanna talk about some of the risks and fears that I think are misplaced. And I think we need to understand them better. And it's one of those things where you either um, jump on it and get ahead or you fall behind. I wanna talk about uh, ways specifically that you can use it. I wanna talk about ways specifically that I'm using it all right, uh, and then we'll talk about um, understanding some of the limits that it has and how to navigate some of the challenges and things like that. All right, so that's kind of the 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 the, the outline of what we're going to talk about, if you will, here uh, for a moment. And part of this, like I said, is a little bit different than what I normally do, um, but I've just been using it so much more lately. Um, nowhere near an expert, <laughs> nowhere near an expert, but maybe I'm a couple steps ahead of you. And so let me give you some ideas. Now, first of all, it's only been 14 months. It's only been 14 months since chat, since chat GPT was released into the world. It's crazy how fast time flies. And it's amazing how big of an impact it's already made. But there was all types of fallacies, um, false beliefs that came out as soon as it came out. And I want, I want to break a couple of these down before we dive in here so you can understand this. Some of the fallacies that we have is that uh, AI, chat GPT, Gemini, whatever, AI, is not going to make everybody smarter. As a matter of fact, it's gonna do the opposite. You hear a lot about um, the, the middle class. We used to have this strong middle class in the United States and it all got hollowed out. And why did it get hollowed out? Well, the narrative is that all those jobs got sent over to China, which is partly true. A lot of those manufacturing jobs did get outsourced. So, so that, that's, a, that's a big piece of it. A bigger piece of it is because of the technology. You see, I talked about just uh, earlier how the previous technology revolution that we had, which was the industrial revolution, moved everybody into cities and factories onto assembly lines. And the assembly lines made everybody work about the same. So whether you were way smarter or way dumber, we were all on the assembly line doing the same thing. 
And so instead of having this, the smart people over here and the dumb people over here, the, the motivated, hardworking people here, the lazy people over here, whatever you want to, however you want to divide that, uh, maybe dumb is unmotivated, um, but rather than split them up on the assembly line, it allowed them all to do the same thing. Let's just put them all together and make them equal. Equality, it's great, right? And so that created this giant middle class. The problem is that we're no longer in the we're no we're no longer in the industrial age. Again, technology is what changes things. We're no longer in the industrial age. Today, we're in the information age. And so, instead of us, you and I, working on the assembly line together, now we're working independently. Back to Sam Altman's talk uh, quote about uh, OpenAI, he thinks we'll have the first billion dollar single person company. So if one person is very smart and very motivated, they could create a billion dollars worth of value and they don't need all those other people. And that is what continues to create this gap, this wealth gap, where smarter people that leverage technologies and work harder, work more focused, start to pull ahead in the information age. It's the true meritocracy. They start to pull ahead from the people who are less motivated, less hardworking, and less educated. So, no, AI is not going to make everybody smarter. It's going to make smart people smarter. And it's going to make mediocre and uh, dumb people dumber. They're going to continue to fall further behind. So this is going to continue to widen the gap, the income inequality gap, which I think is okay. I think everybody's looking at the wrong thing. So rather than be mad about it, we're going to talk about how you can use it so you can be part of that revolution. The other reason why it's uh, the the other fallacy and, and part of the reason why it's not going to make everybody smarter is because everybody doesn't have good questions to ask. You see, all the LLM can do, the AI can do is respond back to you. I like to say uh, very often, you've probably heard me, that the quality of your life comes down to the questions that you ask. But most people ask very bad questions. I get thousands of questions every single week across my social media platforms. I know, I see them. The questions are so broad and and uh, lacking any type of intentionality that there's no way somebody can get back a good answer. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, we're talking about how technology changes the world and the technology has changed the world. We talk about Bitcoin typically, we're talking about AI. And we're gonna talk about how it's changing the world and how you can take advantage of it. You don't wanna miss this. Don't go away. I'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. 
The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how technology changes the world, and right now we're talking about AI, um, you know, LLMs, large language models, ChatGPT, Gemini, etc. And I was running through some of the fallacies. So first of all, it's not going to make everyone smarter. Part of the reason why is because most people don't have good questions. Like I said, I see thousands of comments every single week across my platforms. <laughs> it's kind of like my finger on the pulse. Well, maybe it's a finger on the pulse on my audience. Um, but I see so many bad questions. And what are bad questions? Questions are very broad, right? Non-specific. So for example, Mark, what books should I read? What book should you read for what? right? Like, like think about how imprecise that question is. I read all kinds of books, but it depends on what I want to learn. So when I'm hiring people, I'm reading books on human resources. I'm reading books on recruitment, right? If I'm trying to scale my, um, my marketing, I'm reading books on marketing. <laughs> if I'm trying to, um, buy a new piece of real estate, I might be reading real estate books. So it's, I'm, uh, if you ask me something more specific, if you had something more specific in your head and you can ask a more specific question, you'll get a bad, back a better answer. So let me give you an example of this. Open AI, uh, is so broad, you can do like almost anything. The problem is when you're given almost every option, you don't know what to do. Analysis paralysis sets in. So when, when ChatGPT first launched or OpenAI first launched, um, there was a uh, app that was created called Lenza. This Lenza app would be, would allow you to take a picture of yourself and then it would return to you like 10, um, AI generated images of yourself set in like different, different themes. And it was like 10 bucks. And it blew up within like days. It was generating millions of dollars. It got a billion dollar valuation, I believe, like instantly. But here's the thing. All it was doing was using open AI or it was using um, a different image generation one, but it was using an open source image generation model and it was using an API. So they were only selling you what you could have already done for free on your own. So why would somebody pay them when they could just go do it for free on their own? The reason why is because people, when given unlimited options, don't know what to do. So what Lenza did is created a very narrow use case where you can do one thing, upload a picture, get 10 back. The other thing is that you have to be creative. You see, in order to ask good questions, you have to have uh, some base knowledge. We'll come back to that. But you also have to have some, create, some creativity. If you're saying uh, everyone thinks they're going to be so smart with ChatGPT, like write me a book. <laughs> write you a book about what? What subject is the book about? Who is it meant to be aimed towards? Who's the reader? What is the goal for you to get, uh, you know, to move that reader through the process? What type of tone should I write to that reader in? I mean, there's so many more questions, but most people have never thought through this. Um, and then, as I said, you have to have some domain expertise. So, for example, um, I talk mostly about, you know, finance and investing. And if I said, hey, uh, ChatGPT, build me the best portfolio. Like, 
And what, what is even best? It doesn't even know that. Best for who? Best for when? Best for what? Like it doesn't know. But if I were to say, hey, ChatGPT, um, during times of high inflation and low economic growth and government debt exceeding 120% debt to GDP, um, what assets work best in that environment? Well, see, now I can get, that's a much more precise question. It give me a much more precise answer back. But I would have to have domain expertise to even know to prompt it that way. So you think of ChatGPT as more of like a complement to yourself, which is why I said it's going to make smart people smarter. It's not going to make dumb people smarter. Now, it can, and I'm going to tell you how to do this, all right? It can, but it's, it's just going to take a longer um a longer path, but I'm gonna tell you how to do that. But a couple of things I just want to talk about real quick before we dive into how I'm using it, how you can use it, how you can actually use it to make you smarter. Um, and if you're already smart, you can use it to make you like superhuman smart. Um, first of all, let's just talk about some of the risks and fears here, right? So like, because I talk about technology and I talk about through thousands of years of history, it's always technology that changes the world. I can tell you that every time there's a new technology, People are scared of it every single time. Um, in my book, The Uncommunist Manifesto, my co-author and I, Alex Fetsky, we wrote and we talked about Karl Marx, which wrote The Communist Manifesto. And um, that was set back in the 1800s, sort of uh, right, right around this uh, turning of the Industrial Revolution. And uh, <laughs> he, wrote some, he wrote a couple chapters, I wrote a couple chapters, and we, then we rewrote each other. So it sounded like both of us. Um, and in one of his chapters, he, used the, he talked about the Luddites. And I thought the Luddites was like a derogatory term that we just like made up. And I kind of called it on it, and I didn't know. Uh, bad on me. But the Luddites were actually a group of people. And the Luddites were a group of people that... Um, destroyed technology. They were afraid of technology. They destroyed it. So what happened is uh, back before we had machines, we basically just worked in the farming agriculture industry. And we worked in like um, the cottage industry, textiles, things like that. And uh, they would make tapestries and fabrics. And there was a new invention called the power loom. And the power loom would allow them, this is not a machine, but it was just like a, a, a tool that they could make, the, a, a, a loom tool so they could do their tapestries faster. And the Luddites saw that and they were afraid of it because it was going to be able to do the work of like dozens of people. And they said, well, we can't have this. What are all these dozens of people going to do if we replace it with a loom? So the Luddites went and like burned them down. They destroyed the looms, right? But that's an example of every time there's a new technology, people are afraid of it. Um, I've been down to Central America many times. I go down there surfing quite regularly. Um, I'm going down to Nicaragua. And a couple of times I went down to Nicaragua, every, every time I went down, they're still working on the same road. And they're, like, they're literally like putting like brick by brick by brick in, uh, under this road. And I asked the guy uh, after going back and they're still working on the road. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, can't they just get like a tractor down here and just like get this done next in the next week? And he said, yeah, but what are all the people going to do for work? The candle makers were afraid that electricity was going to take away their ability to make candles. The buggy makers were afraid of the automobile that it would take away the work. When the industrial revolution came, a, mach a machine could do the work of 5,000 men. What are those 5,000 men gonna do? Well, it turns out they'll do higher value tasks like science and medicine, things like that. So it's always been that way. Calculators were first introduced and people were afraid that it was going to um, mess up people's ability to do calculations in their head. And just like calculators, ChatGPT is, is designed to be a tool that 
augments human capabilities, it doesn't replace them. So think of it as enhancing your human potential, not replacing. Now, I'm not talking about uh, Elon Musk putting chips in your brain. That's like a whole other conversation, one that I'm not excited about. Let's just say that. I don't like, uh, I'm not really liking the man and machine transhumanism type stuff, but I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about tools that I can use to enhance my human potential. For example, um, on my phone, I use the um, app Waze all the time. I don't know if you guys know that, W-A-Z-E. And I use it all the time because uh, using uh, technology like social media and things like that, it can tell me where traffic accidents are, where traffic congestion is. And so if I'm driving somewhere, it can say, hey, Mark, um, there's an accident here, traffic congestion here, take this other road instead. And so that piece of technology has enhanced my human potential. That makes sense? So think about it like that. All right, now um, let's talk about um, what if you're not that smart? What can you do with it? Well, you can use it to get smarter. So let's talk about that first and I'll talk about how I'm using it. So for example, um, if you think about it as maximizing your efficiency to achieve your goals, then you can use it like that. So for example, you could uh, think about what do you want to do now? Or what is it that you want to learn? Or what are things that you want to focus on? What action do you want to take? What do you want to change? Right? So you can start thinking about that and then you can ask it questions. You can think of ChatGPT as like, a, or, or Gemini. I've been using Gemini a lot more lately and I think it's got way better results for certain things. It can't do things ChatGPT can. But for example, you can talk to it like a coach or a mentor or a guide, right? And so you could say, um, you could ask it questions. Like you can just ask it, for example, hey, I'm thinking about losing weight. What are the things I should think about, right? Or you can say, hey, I'm thinking about losing weight. How can I prompt you? How can I ask you to help me better? Like these are things that you can do. Now, um, if you're tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, I gotta take a very quick break. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna give you some more practical tips on how you can use this to become more superhuman. Don't go away. I'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about 
technology. We talk about technology a lot, finance, technology, politics, but we're talking about technology and how it's changing the world. And we're talking specifically about sort of these new AIs, ChatGPT, Gemini, fill in the blank. We've gone through a lot, I'm not gonna recap that, but I wanna give you some practical stuff on how I am using it right now to make myself uh, more superhuman, if you will, right? To augment, to make myself more efficient. So first of all, you can think of it like a coach. So I already said that the quality of your life comes down to the questions that you ask, and most of you don't have the domain expertise to ask it the specific questions you need. So you can start earlier, and you can, you can use it to train you. You can use it to teach you. So if you don't have the domain expertise, like I said, I, I gave a financial example for, you know, um, if you don't have that, you can just ask it. I use it as a, as a coach, I use it as a mentor, I use it as an advisor, depending on what I'm trying to do. So for example, what I've been using it for, I've been using it for like um, audience research. I talk about these topics. This is my angle. This is who I am. This is where I'm from. Who are who is the ideal audience for this? And then it gives me ideal audience. And then I'll go back and forth. A lot of it comes through the optimization, asking it multiple questions. Um, then I'll say, okay, great. Now that we have this audience, what are their main um, desires? What do they want to achieve? What are their main fears? What are their main objections, right? So like lots of audience research. I use it to find like historical parallels. Hey, this is happening. So I kind of talked about like, hey, at, at a time of like high inflation, low economic growth, high um, debt to GDP ratios, what periods of history align with this, what happened at that time, right? Things like that. Um, I can use it to like help me find like definitions or concepts. So like, let's say financial concepts, for example, one that gets thrown around is like, let's say like fiscal dominance, you might've heard that before. Like what exactly is fiscal dominance? Um, what does fiscal dominance mean to the economy, to the to the, to the Federal Reserve, to the central banks. What does it mean to me? Uh, what other, what times in history have we seen fiscal dominance? In times of fiscal dominance, what should I be paying attention to? How could I, right? So there's a lot that I can do there. Um, but you really have to think about asking more precise questions. And if you don't know the right question to ask, you can ask it what question you should ask. Um, some of the things that you can do, you can upload information. So like, I've uploaded a lot of my writing and a lot of my videos. And so now I, when I ask it to write something for me, it can write it in my voice. Now, a couple, couple pro tips here that I've learned is that, again, back to the more specific and pre precise your question is, the better you're going to get back. So I say, here is the role that you're in. You are an expert researcher. You are a professional copywriter. You are a financial analyst. So first you give it the role. Then you give it the job you want it to be done. You are a professional, you're a financial analyst. Your job is to evaluate this data. Your job is to write this newsletter. Your job is to whatever. And then who the job is for. So um, your job is a professional copywriter. Uh, the job is to write a, a piece of copy. You're writing it for this person, this avatar, this group of people. And then what is the ultimate outcome? What I want is I want it to be a 500 word article. I want it to be a spreadsheet. I want it to be a new infographic or image. Then what do I want? If it's like writing stuff like that, like, or if it's images, I, I say, if it's writing, I say, I want you to write it in a, in a, in a light uh, conversational tone with a fifth grade um, level or lower, for example, or I want it to be written at a college grade level, depending on what it is, right? Um, in, in, a, in a very authoritative voice or a fun voice. If it's an image, I'll say, um, I want it to be with a hard tech driven um, 
theme um, using colors black, white, orange, and some blue, right? And so I'm giving it the more precise I can give it, the, the more that I'm going to get back to you. you know? But um, the thing is, is that really it comes down to mastering the art of good questions. Okay, another couple things that I want to uh, just warn you about is that understand that it can play that role to help help you. It can help you research. It can help you understand concepts and things like that, as we've already talked about. But you have to understand the limits. Okay, it cannot replace professional advice. It can be a good teaching tool, but don't take their word for it, especially on critical issues. Like, for example, I might say, um, you know, what happens when I don't what happens to my body when I don't eat for 24 hours? Um, and, you know, if I introduce um, fat only, does that break my fast? Right. And I might ask it questions like that. But I wouldn't say, like, give me a diet plan because it's been fed on language that I probably don't agree with. Right. It's been given whatever the government puts out as like good health advice. And like, I don't agree with that. Right. So like it's good for like researching and that's why it's good to augment you. But if you're trying to um, have it tell you what to do, if you're if you're taking it like as professional advice, health advice, financial advice or whatever, it's probably going to backfire on you. I certainly wouldn't do that at all, because like I said, it's who who, who, who trained the model. What we can see is that both ChatGPT and Gemini are very, very heavily biased. Uh, for example, we've seen several studies that show that ChatGPT has a massive left-wing bias favor, favoring like the Labor Party, Joe Biden's um, Democrat Party. And so you just have to understand that. You also would understand that, like I said, it's been been trained in one type of medical advice. And so rather than like say, give me medical advice, what I'd do is I'd use it as my research, right? I'd, I'd use it to give me perspective, a supplementary source of income, but not, um, like I said, as a definitive tool, all right? Now, back to sort of uh, some of these fears. Now, well, let's just talk about, so like already, just in the last couple of months, I've been using it more and more and more, and there are some fears here. So technology does make us dependent on them. Back to that example of the calculator, um, people were afraid that it would, uh, people would start to depend on the calculator and they wouldn't be able to do the calculations in their head as much. That's true. One thing that I've noticed that I'm not particularly happy about is um, I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I, I lead dirt bike tours down in Mexico. And I've been doing dirt bike tours across the open desert for now about 20 years. And I'm pretty good at navigating. My whole life, I've been pretty good at navigating. I, I know where I'm at, right? I have a good sense of direction. Uh, but as I just told you earlier, I'm using that Waze app all the time now. I've been using Google Maps and Waze app for so long. And I can tell that my navigation skills are nowhere near as good as they used to be. Like if I used to drive to someone's house, I knew how to get there. And now because I used Waze to get there, I forget how to get places. And so my over-reliance on technology has weakened my ability for self-navigation. Some of the fears that I'm afraid of is I've been using it so much more lately to help me do market research, to help me come up with new concepts, to help me rewrite titles or come up with storylines and things like that. Um, and it's so much faster and it's so much more efficient. And in a lot of cases, it's really dang good. But I'm afraid that it will it will weaken my own ability to do the creative thinking. Now, it's a different type of creative thinking. Like I have to become more creative in order to enable it, in order to prompt it. So it's a different type of creative thinking. Um, but, you know, it could certainly lower my ability or that skill that I've developed over the last, whatever, my career um, to really think through these properly. So, you know, there is some of that, but you have to understand that that's all part of it. So like, sure, being able to um, 
buy clothes at the store took away my uh, ability to make my own clothes. Okay, that's a trade-off I'm willing to make. I'll make that trade-off all day, right? Uh, so we have to understand that, like, I don't have the ability to grow my own food because I just get my food at the store. So technology just changes things. We have to understand that. And you can choose to be mad at it and get left behind, or you can choose how to use it and you can get ahead. Same with Bitcoin. A lot of people just don't want to believe in Bitcoin and they're just getting further and further behind. People don't understand the AI, they're getting further and further behind. And the best way to get involved with both is to just jump in, start small, buy $5 worth of Bitcoin, buy five bucks, try it out. Jump on ChatGPT or, or, or Gemini, try it out. Ask it a couple questions. The best way is just to get started and then play with it. Play with it with an open mind, with a curious mind. Don't be afraid. Now, we don't know the future. Could it one day turn out to be something bad? It, it might. We don't know. Um, maybe you and I could have something to do to influence it and not have it turn out that way. But you won't be able to do that unless you're already using it and you know how to use it. All right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about always the intersection of technology finance and politics. Today we're talking about technology and how you can either use it and get ahead or you can not use it and fall further behind. Hopefully you're in the group that gets further ahead. I certainly am. And that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening today. Hit me up on social media. Let me know you're listening. Thanks for the support. Until next time. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Nerd Wallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.